I remember my grandma Hammer telling me as a boy that there are some things that you don't talk about in polite company. She said there's certain things you should not talk about in polite company. She said politics and religion and money and she probably would have said sex except she was too polite to even say that word. So she didn't say that, but I think that is one of the four that's commonly said. Now, did anyone else ever have someone in their family tell them that? That there's certain things you don't talk about in polite company. Well, we're going to talk about two of the four today as we continue our You Ask For It series where we're seeking biblical answers to life's big questions. And here's the long form of the question that was submitted that we're dealing with today. She wrote, is there biblical justification for voting for the lesser of two evils? Either side, not asking for political opinion uh, on Republican versus Democrat. Uh, I've just heard a lot of people say they voted for the lesser of two evils on both sides. And I wonder, what would Jesus do? Would he, should we, vote for someone we don't fully support just for the sake of of voting now it's a good question but let me start with a disclaimer this is not going to be a political message I won't be endorsing or defending or slamming any candidate in this message and if I do my job right you still won't know who I'm supporting in the upcoming election if I'm supporting either candidate uh, a part of impacts DNA is to remain unpolitical and nonpartisan, which is why we have people in our church who have embraced all sorts of different political viewpoints. And before we're done, I'll explain to you why we have made that choice. We want to look at what the Bible says in this area. We want to think through some principles of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in these turbulent political times that we're living in right now. And when she asked the question, she specifically wanted to know what Jesus would do. And I'm not sure that I can speak completely to that, but I was thinking, and actually I have been thinking during every message in this series, if Jesus was preaching this sermon, what would Jesus say in response to this question? What would Jesus say? And again, I, I'm speculating here to some degree, but we'll use the scripture to help us. But let's jump right in. Let's try to figure it out. First, I think Jesus might say, you always vote for the lesser of two evils. You always vote for the lesser of two evils. I think Jesus would remind us that since he's not personally ever on a ballot in any election that we are always voting for the lesser of two evils. Now, why do I think that? Well, look at these scriptures. In Romans 3, we read this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's righteous standard. And then Jeremiah 17 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? All of us have sinned. 
the human heart is desperately wicked or desperately evil. So as long as human beings are on the ballot, and to some degree, we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. And sometimes in pointing out the sins and the failures of others, we tend to overlook our own sin at least a little bit. And the truth is, while I may not have committed some of the same sins as political leaders, I have sinned. And so have you. And so has the candidate that I might be the most excited about voting for. But to some degree, I think Jesus would start by reminding us that if I ever cast a vote, I'm voting for who I perceive to be the lesser of two evils. After that quick reminder, Jesus might lay some groundwork for how to make our decisions about who to vote for. I think he might say, let your faith in me drive your politics. Let your faith in me drive your politics. Many people determine what they believe politically, and then they try to fit Jesus into their politics. They, believe, they figure out, this is what I want to believe politically, and then they try to figure out how they can fit Jesus kind of around that. And they may choose a church that agrees with them or endorses uh, their political viewpoint or their social viewpoint because their politics are driving their faith. But that's backwards. Our faith, our relationship with Jesus ought to drive our politics. Jesus indicates that he is truth and that his word, the Bible, is truth. And therefore, the truth of Jesus and the truth of what the Bible teaches should determine some of what my uh, politics and moral viewpoints are. And some of those viewpoints will probably determine how I personally choose to vote. Now understand, we can't and we shouldn't try to legislate our morality or faith. Jesus didn't try to do that when he was here on earth. But as followers of Jesus, when Jesus is the ruler of my life and my relationship with him drives my politics, there are a few things that are true that have to have an impact on my vote. There are several we could probably mention, but let me mention two. The first, uh, when your faith drives your politics, character counts. Character counts. Character is who we are deep down. It's who we are when no one's watching. All of us sin and fail, but our character is the consistent moral compass and the integrity that we use day to day. And when my faith drives my politics, character counts. First of all, their character counts. The character of the candidates counts. It seems common uh, for the last many years for Christians to defend their support for certain candidates by saying, I'm not electing a pastor, I'm electing a president or a senator or a congressperson. And I've heard that trumpeted about at least two presidents in my lifetime, and the two that I'm talking about are from opposite political parties. But if you study the qualities that God wants in a leader, you will see that more of the qualities described are about a person's character. They're about a person's morality and about their heart 
than they are about their competence or their skills. The leaders we're taught in Scripture to seek are above reproach, respectable, temperate, self-controlled, not quarrelsome or double-minded. These qualities seem to be important leadership qualities to God, so I should consider them when I'm trying to figure out my vote. But don't miss this. When my faith drives my politics, not only does their character count, but my character counts. My character counts. This means I have to consider my vote from the standpoint of my character. Can I be true to Jesus and vote for this candidate that I'm considering? Will I compromise what I believe to vote for someone who holds their views or lives their lifestyle or treats people as they treat people? It's absolutely okay for me to consider my personal character when it comes time for me to decide who to vote for or whether I'm going to vote at all because even in the voting booth, my character counts. My character counts. Secondly, when my relationship with Jesus drives my politics, respect and kindness count. Respect and kindness count. Their respect and kindness counts. I, I want to see respect and kindness in candidates. I do. I, I'm really glad that we now have the candidates give their name and say that they approved the messages or the ads that we have because sometimes after I've heard a hateful, disrespectful, unkind ad and then I hear the candidate give their stamp of approval, it kind of helps me to know I don't want to vote for that candidate. I have to consider their lack of respect and their unkindness when I think about my vote. Their social media presence, their speeches and debate performances are all fair game when I'm trying to determine someone, whether or not someone is generally respectful or kind. But my respect and my kindness also counts. My respect and my kindness also counts. Here's the irony. Sometimes I have heard people be horribly disrespectful and horribly hateful and horribly unkind while slamming a political candidate for their hatefulness and their disrespect and their lack of kindness. Folks, Scripture is clear. We're supposed to respect our leaders. We're supposed to respect our leaders. Look at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Peter wrote those words about a Roman emperor who would later execute him. The apostle Paul said we need to submit to and pray for our governing authorities. And again, he was talking about the Romans who tortured and imprisoned and abused and ultimately killed him. And the Roman emperor they were talking about was most likely Nero. Nero. Now, we have never in the history of our country had a leader as bad or as evil as Nero. And that is the one that Paul is telling us to respect and honor and pray for uh, and obey. And Jesus himself was respectful to leaders who were condemning him to death based on false charges. 
so we need to be really careful how we talk about political leaders because as followers of Jesus, I'm supposed to respect them and I'm supposed to pray for them even if, in my opinion, they are not worthy of respect. Even if I don't think they're very respectable. Last, I think Jesus might remind us that many things are more important than politics. Many things are more important than politics. He might say, so many things are more important than politics, and that's why I steered clear of politics completely while I was on earth. I mean, in Jesus' day, there were a lot of political issues going on. There was taxation to levels that we have never experienced here in our country. There was infanticide. That was a common practice where you just took babies out and just left them alone to die in the elements. And Rome was enslaving and abusing many people. And there was other injustice that was all around Jesus. And Jesus was pretty silent on all of those things. He was pretty silent on all of those things. Why? Well, he felt that there were some things that were more important than the politics of his time. And if we're following the example of Jesus in the midst of this political climate, we need to remember that there are so many things that are more important than politics. Let me mention a few that mattered to Jesus. First, eternity is more important than politics. Eternity is more important than politics. Helping lost people end up in heaven was a higher priority to Jesus than even trying to fix the corruption and injustice of his time. Now, people like to point out that Jesus turned over tables and he drove the animals and the business people out of the temple. That was a pretty strong thing for him to do, but don't miss why he did that. He did that because that business was making it hard for people to pray. It was making it hard for people to engage in their relationship with Jesus. He called out the corruption and the hypocrisy of the religious leaders because he knew that they were blind guides standing in the way of people coming to faith in God. Jesus got fired up when people were putting up a wall or a barrier of any kind that blocked access to people who needed to find God's forgiveness and his help and his hope. So, so how does this apply to us today? Can I just say gently that some Christians seem far more concerned about their candidate of choice getting into the White House than they are about lost people getting into heaven? Now, that certainly doesn't reflect the heart of Jesus. And if you're loudly promoting your candidate or your political party as the only one that God would approve or endorse, your politics may very well be standing in the way of someone entering eternity. And their eternity will matter far longer than any political viewpoint or issue that we're dealing with here. And that's why at Impact we have decided to be specifically non-political. It's not that we don't care about some of the big issues of the day. We just don't want our personal political viewpoints to ever be a barrier to someone who needs Jesus. I don't want anyone to ever disagree with my politics and uh, miss out on Jesus as a result. This next one's similar, but I think Jesus would say people are more important than politics. People are more important than politics. 
do a study on Jesus and politics. And I think you will find that everything people point to when they talk about Jesus and politics isn't about politics at all. It's about people. It's about people. People who need a touch from God people who need the love of God, people who need the forgiveness that allows them to enter into heaven because people matter to Jesus. People matter to Jesus. Look what it says in Matthew 9:36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. People mattered to him. He talked to an outcast woman who came in the heat of the day to get water at the well because she was looked down on and rejected by the other women in the village because of her lifestyle. He talked to her and accepted her and then used her to draw others to him. He stopped and he looked up into a tree and he said to the most hated man in Jericho, a tax collector, come on down, I want to have lunch with you today. He interrupted a funeral and gave a mom back her son when he raised him back to life. He de-escalated a mob intent on executing a woman who had been caught in the sin of adultery. And they were right on the law, but Jesus helped them to see their own sin. And then he said to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He had a conversation after dark with a religious leader named Nicodemus who was worried and embarrassed at what his friends might say if they saw him talking to Jesus. And Nicodemus was a man who helped bury Jesus' body after the crucifixion and ended up being a follower of Jesus. Jesus didn't let the politics of any of these situations get in the way because people are more important than politics. People are more important than politics. And again, as followers of Jesus, we need to follow Jesus' example here. And far too many people have put their politics in front of people. I mean, social media can be such a hateful place sometimes. I've even seen people say, if you disagree with me politically on this, just unfriend me now. Wow. That certainly doesn't reflect the heart of Jesus and it shouldn't reflect our heart either. There's so much more I could say, but let's make sure that I've answered the question. Is there biblical justification for voting uh, for the lesser of two evils? Now, some of you will not like my answer because my answer is, really, there's no biblical mandate to vote at all. There's no biblical mandate to vote at all. There's a difference between being a good citizen and being a good Christian, and contrary to popular opinion, the two don't always mix. I, I choose to vote in every election because I want to be a good citizen, and I think godly people using godly principles to live as citizens in our country is a really good thing, and voting is part of what I do to be a good citizen, but there's no biblical mandate to do it. Paying taxes is something that the Bible mandates that I'm supposed to do, Respecting and submitting to and honoring uh, our leaders is something that the Bible mandates me to do, but the Bible never tells me to vote. And one of the reasons it doesn't is because people in the Bible never had that option. That was never a part 
of their culture. So I see voting as a privilege that I have to help choose the leaders of our country. And I do it because I want to be a good citizen, but there's no biblical mandate to vote. Now, the difference between being a good Christ follower and being a good citizen is one of priorities. If I have to choose between the two, I must choose to be a follower of Jesus first and a citizen of this country second. That's what I promised Jesus when I gave my life to him. That's what I promised him when I was baptized into him. When I was baptized, I said to Jesus, I am making you the leader of my life. You are the ruler uh, of my life. You control me. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are my dictator. And according to the Bible, on that day, I became a citizen of heaven. I became a citizen of heaven. Look what it says in Philippians 3. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So when it comes to voting, I want to be a good follower of Jesus first. And let him help determine how I vote. For me, that means I usually pray. And I ask Jesus to give me wisdom. And I study the issues. And I study the candidates. And I ask Jesus to help me choose and there have been two times in the 10 presidential elections that I have been allowed to vote in that um, so far, two elections out of 10, that I didn't feel good about voting for either candidate. In those elections, I came really, really close to not voting for president at all. And I think that would have been an okay choice. I think it would have been an okay choice because I really struggled with the character and the policies of both candidates. But I did end up voting in both. Here's what I did. In those two elections, when I hated my choices for president, I asked myself several questions. Here's some of the questions I asked myself. Who do I feel most comfortable being commander-in-chief if a war breaks out? Who do, I feel I will who do I feel will choose the most qualified Supreme Court justices? Who seems to be the most respectful and the most kind and have the most consistent character? Who would represent our country in the best way to the world that we live in? Now, in one of those elections that I struggled with, one candidate, I answered positively on two of those questions, and the opposing candidate, I answered positively on one, and that made my choice. The uh, second election that I uh, hated my choices on, I felt one candidate would match one of those in a positive way and the other wouldn't match either in a positive way. Ultimately, each of those presidential elections, which were more than a decade apart, I felt physically ill after I cast my vote. I was not proud of who I had voted for in either case but I felt I decided my vote on issues that were really important. Now, I will tell you, there may come an election in the future where I just choose not to cast a vote in, that, uh, in certain races based on my character. But I'll only do that when I feel like it violates my relationship with Jesus to vote for a candidate. Because we can't forget something. The lesser of two evils is still evil and sometimes very evil.
sometimes very evil. Ultimately, we can disagree on this issue. We'll all get to heaven and disagree on our politics. And I guess I should end by pointing out something else that we tend to forget. Our system of government, while it is probably the best system of government on the face of the earth, in my opinion, our system of government, while perhaps blessed by God, perhaps used by God, our system of government was not God's first choice in how we should be led, how we should be governed. It wasn't his first choice. God's original plan was not a human government at all. His plan was that he would lead us, that he would guide us. And people decided they wanted a human king or ruler like all the other cool kids had. And so we cried out for a human leader and we traded in God. And that's not a good thing. And we have all this political strife because we traded in God as our leader in favor of human leaders. And I got to tell you, personally, I'm glad that when I committed myself to Jesus, I flipped that script again and said, Jesus, you're the leader of my life. I'm no longer governed by human government. I'm governed by you. I'll I'll respect them. I'll honor them. I'll pray for them. But Jesus, you're the leader of my life. And personally, I look forward to the day when we enter heaven and God himself lives with us and rules over us and we experience his peace and his love for all eternity. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times when we have made issues that we care about here on earth more important than the issues that you care about for all eternity. Forgive us for the times, Father, when we have been hugely disrespectful and unkind towards uh, people that we just share a different political opinion uh, than. Father, um, I just pray that you will help us to really, again, see Jesus as the leader of our life. That we will submit to him and that, Father, a part of that means that we will show love and respect and honor to the political leaders, the leaders you have placed above us here on earth. And, Father, I want to pause right now and pray for our president. I pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence that you will give them wisdom and guidance. I pray, Father, for uh, those in the Senate and those in the House. And I pray, Father, that you will give them wisdom and guidance. And, Father, I pray for our state and local leaders. And, Father, I just pray that uh, the strife and the division and the partisanship will just be pushed aside, that we might focus on really uh, showing mercy and love and kindness and justice. And Father, I pray that you will use us as lights to people who need you, that politics will be pushed aside in favor of the people that you care about. And Father, I thank you so much that you give us a second chance to get it right every day, because Father, so often we need that second chance. And Father, we just want to give to you again our commitment that if you will show us the way, we promise to follow you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.